You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am your host, Jacobson, with NRM's Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com, and I will answer as many as I can. You know, Rosh is coming, and we're going to talk Rosh but in between shows, I just got, like, from low to high in, in 20 seconds. I got to tell you what's going on. So um, my mother-in-law is in the hospital. She's sick. She's not doing well. And my wife very much wanted to fly in. So she flew in um, Wednesday morning. Now, we here in Detroit, um, we look at the news, I'm sure, but we weren't really paying attention to the hurricane that just, like, demolished, like, Maryland and parts of New York and stuff. We weren't really paying attention. Anyway, she gets in Wednesday morning. She goes to the hospital. She's with her mother. Um, we had a flight for her. She wanted to come back that night and help the kids get off to school. But the only flight available was a stopover. So it was an 8 o'clock flight. And it was going to Washington, D.C. Again, we I was not really paying attention to the weather. But that's where it was. And it was going to go to Washington, D.C. and then back to Detroit. Anyway, she's waiting in the airport. It's uh, already the plane's getting delayed. And they tell her, they said, if you get on that plane... We, we, uh, we guarantee you will not make your connection. He says, come on, it says it's a half an hour in the air. I'll make it. They said, no, you don't understand. When the plane's in the air, it's no problem. The plane's not going to take off. They were right. It took off instead of 8 o'clock or 8.30. It took off 11.30 that night or last night. Okay, she takes, she's getting very good at Uber, by the way. So she takes an Uber, goes to her sister, lives in Far Rockaway. So I said, okay. When you want to come home, I, I need the earliest flight out. I must be back for the kids in the morning. I said, great. There's a 6 o'clock Delta flight, no problem. I make the flight. Then I, I go to a lecture, and she's already texting me. She can't get an Uber. I guess there were periods of time the Ubers must have said we're not flying because of all the rain or not driving. Anyways, I, of course, get out of the lecture. I say, I don't understand what your problem is. I go on to my Uber. 30 seconds later, she has a 4 o'clock Uber ready to go. However, by quarter to 12, uh, we canceled that Uber because Delta sent us a message. Six o'clock is not happening. It's a 1.30 flight. Okay. So, again, she went in to visit her mother yesterday. So now what do you do? You have a few hours in the morning. The hospital's in Manhattan. She thought it was a half an hour from the airport. So she said, I said, what are you going to do? She says, hello, I'm here. Let me go visit my mother take advantage. She wasn't happy that she that the flight got delayed. She wanted to be home. First flight canceled. Second flight delayed. Fine, no problem. She went to visit her mother. Anyways, you know what? I text a few times during the day. Anyways, the flight gets delayed to 2.30. So probably in her mind, delayed 2.30, 2.30, 3.30, like what's the rush? So she was taking care of her mother, doing what every good daughter should do. And not paying attention to the time, 
I think I must have texted her one thirty ish. I said, like, are you by the airport yet? Oh no, just get into the Uber. It doesn't look good. I said, Okay, do the best you could. She says, Make me my boarding pass. I said I said, They're not letting. They're not letting me print the boarding pass for you to send you a picture. I said, But try. Try and see what happens. So anyways, so she was supposed to arrive at the airport around 2.03. I start my sh- my first show. This is the second show. I start my first show like 2.01. Sure enough, like 2.03 or 2.05, my phone is buzzing. Well, I'm not picking up the phone. There's nothing I can do for you right now. Anyways, she sends me a text, which I read at 2.27-ish, about five, six minutes ago. Missed the flight. I said, okay. And by the way, I already know. I looked online. Uh, there are no direct flights, if any flights, leaving LaGuardia to Detroit today. What should I do? Nothing. Low. Now, by the way, I want you to know that I prayed on my way here today to the studio. You know, me, car, when you're alone, is the best place. There's no one around. You can talk to yourself. You can talk to God. I'm talking to God. I said, God. I said, I need a favor. I said, could you please get my wife home safely today? preferably on the flight that we scheduled. I know she's late. I know it's been delayed, but uh, get her on that flight. Okay? I guess God didn't listen because uh, she says, missed the flight. Anyways, I call her. She texts me back. Now, remember, she already said she missed the flight. She says, I don't know what happened. I'm sitting on the plane. First, she said she missed the flight. Then she says, I'm on the plane. They let me on. Story, I said, okay, great, you'll tell me the story later. So therefore, you get to go from the high, the low of uh, missed it, who knows when we're going to get her home, to made it, I'm on the plane. And I think she's texting me again, and I'm not going to look at the text right now. She should be listening to the show right now, but I don't know if she has Wi-Fi on the plane. But um, in any case, so I prayed, thought God said no, God said yeah, but something to keep in mind Thank you, Hashem. You got her on the flight. It should be a safe flight. She shouldn't be stuck on the tarmac for 45 minutes or even five minutes. Um, officially, the flight leaves in 10 minutes. At least that's what the uh, the webpage said. Just She had to be on the flight at 2.31, and, and, and I guess they let her on. So it's a beautiful thing, unless, of course, when the show is over, I get another text that she's on a airplane to, I don't know, to Chicago. But in any case, that we'll find out when this show is over. But... Always good to, again, you're in the car, good to pray to God. God, he's always listening. And sometimes he'll even do you a favor when I don't know if I deserve it or not. But she probably does. So later after the show, I will be able to hopefully drive down to the airport, pick her up, and find out. Because hopefully by the time the show is over, she's in the air. That is the goal. And, uh... And we're good to go. Okay. That was just a nice intro. It has nothing to do with the Torah portion, but prayer is always a good thing to talk about. Thanking Hashem, thanking God is always a good thing to talk about. So let's talk. So again, I, you know, Rosh Hashanah is around the corner. One of the prayers that we say on, on Rosh Hashanah, um, and it's said after... The the what's called the Shimon Esrei after the all the singing and all the the poetry, um, there's uh, there's a there's something called Vinu Malkenu. 
translated our father our king and there's a whole bunch of things they bear our father our king we send our father our king save us from this our father our king give us uh, sustenance our father our king heal us our father our king write us for a good year there's a whole bunch very beautiful a lot of times for many people i know in my synagogue it's interesting we we had we had inserted um a paragraph when the Shmonesra is over before Avinu Malkeinu was called Shemalis. So somebody came over to me and he said that it, it was, we, we needed to find a place for it. And it's the question is why, but we didn't want to do it before before the, the foot of Shema, so we wanted to do it afterwards. He says, you know, I'm on such a high after your prayers, and to do the Shemalis, you sort of bring me down a peg. And I got to be up on a high when we do Avinu Malkeinu. Can we, you know, flip it? Davidim Malkeinu and then Shemals, I said, there's the rabbi. I, you know, I may be a rabbi, but I'm not the rabbi of the synagogue. I said, there's the rabbi. He's in charge. Whatever he says works for me. So we did. Because for a lot of people, I, I've been doing all this praying. Now I want to ask, so what's this our father, our king? What does this mean, our father, our king? What we're, we're calling God our father, our king. Which one is he? Is he both? Sometimes one way, sometimes another way. So, um, so a beautiful story. Beautiful story. Um, there was a Parisian Jew. That means from Paris. Um, we're going to call him David. And he lived in a very exclusive um, apartment building. He had a penthouse. He obviously was wealthy. And um, there was only one other person, one other family on that floor. And for the most part, they did not run into each other. One day... David runs into his neighbor, and they're talking, and the neighbor says, you know, um, my stepson is the king of Morocco. I marry the king of Morocco's wife. She is my wife, so therefore he's my stepson. And every once in a while, the king of Morocco will come to Paris, and he will stay by me. That's why if you ever see, like, a lot of security, and they give you a hassle coming to the floor, and there's people around, and and, uh, security... Don't worry about it. It's just because my 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 stepson happens to be here visiting. So David said, "Wow, I would love to meet the king of Morocco. The opportunity to meet a king, what a beautiful thing! Can I meet him?" So the stepfather said, "Look, I got to get permission. I got to work it out with a security. But if I can work it out, um, I'll call you." So a few months later. David gets a call. Um, the king is here. The king of Morocco is in my apartment. You have permission to come. Can I bring my son, David says? Yeah, bring your son, no problem. So they go, and they have to get checked and, and looked over and wandered and who knows what, and they go in front of the king. So the king starts talking to David's son. Now, David's son um, was had just become or was turning bar mitzvah. That was, he was turning 13. And the king of Morocco says, oh, is this a special birthday? He says, yes. Why is it a special birthday? Well, because when you become 13, um, you now count as a quorum. A minion can include you, and you're responsible. And and now all the Torah is not just practice. It's not just theory. Now it's real. You'll get rewarded and punished. And he's going through the whole explanation of what's so special <clears throat> about being by mitzvah. Okay? King appreciated. So after saying hello to David, they schmooze. He said, okay, very nice. The next day, the next day, uh, David gets a call again from his neighbor. Please come over. The king of Morocco has something for you. Okay? So David goes. He comes in, and the king of Morocco says, here's this envelope. 
um, I want to give a present to your son. I, I did some research and I found out people like to give gifts um, to a, not, it's not a regular birthday, a bar mitzvah is a very special day. So uh, I enjoyed meeting with your son and I want to give a present. I said, thank you very much. But Sam opened his pocket, walks out. Okay, what is a, what is a king send? He opens the envelope. And there's a check written out for $50,000. Now, I don't know how many of you have made bar mitzvahs. I don't know how many of you have given gifts. My wealthy friends, 180, 360, 500, maybe a 613. That's my wealthy friends. And I'm sure wealthy people amongst themselves will give more. But, you know, there's a limit to what kind of gift you can give a bar mitzvah boy. There is a limit. And $50,000 is way over the top. It's just like, this is not what we do to a little boy. W.M. goes back, he asks permission to speak to the king. He says, your majesty, you cannot give my son a gift for $50,000. You can't do it. I mean, $500,000, $1,000, $50,000 is too much. So the king of Morocco said back to W.M. He said, you're right. I I knew that. I know $50,000 is too much. But you see, there's a problem. I am a king, and it is inappropriate. If a king is going, if I don't want to give a gift is one thing, but as a king, if I give a gift, it has to be something substantial. It's embarrassing that a king would give something minuscule. So I must give a humongous gift, and that gift has to be $50,000. Nothing else would be appropriate coming from a king. That was that okay. I don't know what to do, but, you know, to not embarrass the king. I, I, I obviously accept. This story was told over to a great rabbi in Israel. His name Chaim Kanievsky. was told over the story. So Chaim Kanievsky said, very interesting, he said that, um, that this is really right what we're asking for God. He should be our father. He's our king. right? Which one is he? Our father, our king. So um, we say... Of course, a father, there's many beautiful things to being a father. A father forgives. A father forgets. Um, it's over and done. Once you say you're sorry, the father says, no problem. Forget about it. A king, of course, in certain ways, has to be stricter even when he forgives. However, when a king gives a gift, so a father gives a gift, he gives the kids on the kidneys. But when a king gives a gift, it's not appropriate for the king to give something small. So when we say to God, our father, our king, we want our king to give us gifts that not for me, not what will be what I deserve, but when a king gives, he has to give with hands wide open. So we're saying, God, we know we may not deserve it, but you are a king. You have to give us overflowing. That's just the way it is when a gift comes from a king. So therefore we say, you are a father, a king. And one of the verses that we say is, for your sake, not for our sake. And we might not be deserving of anything special. It's true. We may not be deserving of anything special, but it's coming from a king. And when it comes from a king, it has to be over the top. And that's on Rosh Hashanah, one of the things we're trying to accomplish is saying, God, over the top. Give a present it would be appropriate for a king to give. That's what we're asking for. Of course, we may not deserve it, but it's coming from a king. It's coming from a king. It has to be special. Okay, that's one thought 
on this Avinu Malkinu. Let's look for another thought. So here's another beautiful thought. The um, the Chayz of Lublin, um, and many Rebbes did this, there's multiple stories that we find like this, that they would act as a defense attorney for the Jewish people. And it was when they were getting ready for the holidays, maybe even not during the holidays, uh, but they would they would create almost their own prayer. And the idea behind the prayer was a defense for the Jewish people. So one time, he's talking to a boy, he's an orphan, and he asked the boy what he's learning, and the boy was learning about witnesses and who could be a kosher witness, who's not a kosher witness. So... The Rebbe says to the boy, do you have any questions about that? He says, yeah. The law is that a relative cannot be a witness. Now, I understand a relative can't be a witness for your benefit. Now, it's, I'm the father. Here's my son. If I go to court and say, Your Honor, that guy Joe owes my son $50,000. I mean, come on. You can't trust me. I'm trying to help out my son. Or, Your Honor. I am the witness to say my son did not commit that crime. Well, hello. Of course I'm going to say he didn't commit the crime. I'm a father. But what if, and I won't use myself in the example, what if the boy says um, the relative is trying to find, as a witness, the relative is testifying that his relative is guilty. Father testifying the son is guilty. A brother testifying a brother is guilty. Um... Why wouldn't we believe the relative? And as I understand, you can't trust a relative to help. But you can't trust a relative to be negative? So the Rebbe said, very good. Very good. So do you have an answer? So the boy said, I do have an answer. A relative who could testify to the detriment of another relative is not a person. He's not a person. That's why he can't be a witness. If you have the ability to testify about a sibling, parent, child, a relative, you have if you could testify to hurt them, you're not a person. You're not a person. So the rebel loved this. He says, We say Avinu Malkenu, God, you are our father. You're our father. Therefore, you for sure can't testify anything bad about us. How could a father say something not nice about a child? Look, I just had orientation with parents, and there's all kinds of children, and I speak to the parents, and I expect the parents to tell me their child is amazing. Their child is great. And I'll try to bring up things, you know, and his child, you know, he can't really sit. He crawls all over his desk, and he, and he takes his shoes off, and... Oh, no, we know he has a difficulty sitting in his seat. He sits on the edge of his chair. I was going to say, this is not the edge of the chair. This is like rolling on the floor, but it's the beginning of the year. But I appreciate when parents can't say negative things about their children. Yes, I want to help them, and we. I, it's easier if the parents tell me, yeah, we know this is a, is a difficulty. Of course, it's easier for me. But don't you think it's beautiful when the parent doesn't see things wrong with their child? That is the way it's supposed to be. We're relatives. I'm your relative. You're my relative. How can I say you did something that nice? Impossible. That's, again, another. So we did the king part of the concept. You're our king, God. And we say you're our father. Okay. Here's another one. Very, uh, yeah, I just found, like, all these different stories, you know, intertwined 
with um, referring to God as our Father, as our King, how what we're asking for. So the Ramban, my, Nachmanides, lived in Spain, and he was some type of advisor to King James of Aragon. But this King James was very influenced by his cardinals, and you can imagine the cardinals had no love for this Jewish rabbi known as Nachmanides, who was one of the greatest commentaries uh, on, on the Torah, and he has a commentary on Talmud. Anyways, um, these cardinals started telling the king, you know, there's really no great Jews anymore. You know, in the old days, there were these amazing Jewish rabbis, but they're long gone. There's no great rabbis around anymore. And the king said, yeah. Okay, once you get the first yes, you can keep going. And they start to talk about the Talmud, and they got the king to actually ban the study of Talmud. People become depressed. How, we can't study Talmud. We can't study. We don't know what God wants. We don't know the commands. This is our life. This is our studying. So Ramban went ahead, and he had a school, and he sent out a proclamation, I'm studying Talmud. Whoever wants to come to me. Like, the, the whole country is petrified of King James. The Ramban, Nachman, has decided, I am not going to be scared of King James. I'm going to do what needs to be done. Anyways, the cardinals knew that that's what Nachmanis was going to do. They knew, they knew uh, who they were dealing with, and um, and they said that they um, and they of course went and told, told the king. So the king was incensed. I give a command, and my one of my advisors opens his own school and enlarges his school to teach Talmud. I said nothing doing. So he goes in the Ramban, he calls the Nachmanis, he says, what were you thinking? So the Ramban says, let me tell you a story. We love stories. Anyways, he says, there was a king, and uh, the king's daughter fell ill. And the king decided that, uh, I don't think it was a Jewish king, but the king decided it would be important for everybody to fast, to pray that his daughter should be healed. And again, he sent out the message, if you don't fast, you're dead. So, okay, no problem. People are fasting, and one Jew decided he's not fasting. Of course, he was caught, brought before the king, and uh, the king said, what, what are you doing? Like, what are you thinking? So he says, look, my fasting might help the king's daughter, might not. It's a question, but I'm a weak person. If I fast, I'm for sure dying. And in the Talmud, we have a rule. What's for sure? If you have on one side something for sure, and on the other side something that's debatable, something that's questionable, we lean towards the side, the side of for sure. Your daughter will be healed, won't be healed, I can't guarantee. But I will die if I don't eat. So the Ramban said, without Torah study, a Jew's life has no value. There's no value. Life is not worth living. Right, the famous story would be Akiva. Um, he tells over the famous parable that a fox sees a fish in the water, and the and the fox says, "Fish, there's all these fishermen. They're with nets. They're going to catch you. Come on to dry land. Dry land is better for you." So the fish says to the fox, "I thought you were smart. In the water, I'm alive. They may be trying to kill me, but at least I'm alive. If you put me on the dry land, I'm dead." Right. So 
the Ramban says, it, we can't live without Torah. Maybe the king got good advice. Maybe the king got poor advice. I can't imagine the king would have made such a decree to basically kill the Jewish people by not letting them have their life. Um, I can't believe the king could have possibly said no Talmud study, no Torah study, unless the king was ill-advised. And you know what? The king agreed. So this is, right? Oh, I hear music in the background. But I just wanted to say, Rosh is coming. It's right around the corner. It is an opportunity. Let's not waste a great opportunity. And again, as always, I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Of course, we have to thank our sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you on the production team. We have uh, we have Andy and David in the back. I hope I've listened to Food for Thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah and Enter Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we can build. 